And welcome once again to Living in the Past. Uh, we are a podcast that talks about the 90s. Usually we go through a month of the 90s, but today we're going through um, an iconic album of 1993 because it is our 1993 season. Uh, my co-host, as always, is Ben. Hello. <laughs> and um, we are talking about the uh, 1993 album by Nirvana, In Utero. Um, we did do a track-by-track go through of um nevermind a couple of seasons ago and um now we're going to do the same for the next album and we did oh in between we did have incesticide too uh but as much as one of my favorites uh probably not as strong an album to do a track by track through but in euro definitely um what before we get into anything what does this album mean to you that's really hard now like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or 20 years ago, yeah, actually, fuck, 20 years ago, <laughs> I would have been so obsessed with this album and it would have meant a ridiculous amount to me. It was probably quite sh- same as Nevermind. Like, I held it in the same regard as Nevermind. Yeah. Listening to it a lot in the last week, I'm not sure where it sits anymore. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's uneven at times. I, 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 I've, I've found it not as. Not as fun as Nevermind, um, but still, I don't know, because th- this, for me, this album was my angsty album. This is the one that I used to like if um, I was wanting to piss off people and play it really loud in my room. Um, uh, well, it had is- everything. That was yeah. the great thing about it. Like, it had a radio hit. It had something disgusting and angry. It had, like diversity it had the pixies loud quiet loud yeah yeah it had everything that you would want in like a grunge or rock album yeah and it ticked i think all the boxes and i think like you know when they talk about angsty sort of music this is this is way more than Nevermind. like i mean Nevermind was a little bit more sort of pretty um keyed into the more de- like oh, i don't want to say depressing but like is it, it was more sort of that emotional thing whereas this one's just like um i want to break something and um and uh, to be honest, like there was a time I remember very vividly where um, I felt like my family was being very unkind to me, and I went to my room and I I, I <laughs> blasted this album. And when we get to the track, I'll let you know. Um, but my the, my speaker blew that I was playing it that loud. No way. And um, and it's it sort of uh, speaks volumes of um, this album because the recording process um, done by Steve Albini. Um, they just sort of had microphones everywhere in the room when they were recording and like it's just so boomy and bassy and um like the drums had 30 mics on it at one point um and they 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 recorded the drums in the kitchen so it had like that um extra echo on stuff to it so it's just it's a loud album when it gets loud Um, yeah and it sounds like it all sounds very very good i couldn't really tell the difference on spotify i mean i'm only in the car listening to it but the difference between the regular version and the anniversary like remasters bullshit did you, i couldn't hear a lot of difference did you listen to the albini um there's a heart shape box and Punta real tea did you listen to those ones those ones no. you can tell a difference because okay. and when we get to heart shape box I'll, I'll sort of speak more of it but like um 
there was a bit of a like so get, uh, it was recorded in um february of 1993 um they went to um pachyderm uh, studio in uh, minnesota where steve albini um recorded a lot of albums at the time um i'm not a big fan of steve albini i think he's a bit of a cock um uh most 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 recently he just threw he threw shade at counting crows for like whatever reason i was like fuck you man like what what? oh why you never throw shade at paul's counting crows well no the thing but the thing is like what what's (laughs) what's the what's the um like it's that whole thing of like we were supposed to like um yeah the music guys and girls were supposed to be better than the 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 jocks and the the douchebags and then like when you get all sort of gatekeepery and um and just uh get, throwing shade at bands for no reason it's like then you're just you're, you know you're, you're blurring the two and it's like I, I that's what i hate the most i hate it when other bands do it i hate it when like music critics do it. it's like you know leave our you know it's it's fun to poke fun but when it's just like outright, yeah. outright like, oh, I'm gonna just throw some shade at a band and say that they'll complete shit without like any uh, any other sort of reasoning. Eh. Yep. Yeah. Um. So uh, yeah, like moments he, like that make me feel bad for Nickelback. Yeah. Um, but it's they're like, all rich, yeah. so I'm not too sad. But it's like that whole thing. That's like that whole Guy Fieri thing. Like you know, he does so he he does so much like charity work and stuff and good stuff. But like all people can see is like the the flame shirt and the, the bleach blonde hair. And it's just like, you know, people can be deep. Um, but yeah, so it was, um, it was recorded. Yeah. In, in February. And then, um, the mix that they sent to the record company was not liked by a lot of them. Um, they said it was, uh, some said it was unlistenable. Some said his song, that Kurt songwriting was, um, not up to par. um, it was just, um, it was very muddy apparently, and they just didn't, ha- and they also didn't have a radio hit that they thought. So, um, I bet it was basically Bleach Part Two. No, it was actually more in, not industrial, but like I think it was just more muddy. It was just like, um, I got a feeling that songs like uh, Milkit and Radio Friendly Sh- Unit Shifter that was the tone um, for the rest of the songs in the album too. So like it was that whole sort of yeah. like loud noisy sort of just um not, not something that like that that like a band who just came off of Nevermind, not that they wanted to release Nevermind again like kurt like didn't want, was actively trying not to do that but then um there's a couple of different accounts like I've, I've looked at a bunch of sites one said that like apparently he spent some time with his family and then he came back and, and wanted to be a bit more positive about it and then um was more okay with the master with, with it being remastered and remixed to a like a bit brighter um a lot other people say that it was um Chris and Dave as well sort of um encouraged Kurt to sort of like try try a remix there and here and there and just sort of see what else can be done with it um and when you listen to uh Heart Shaped Box especially like the the Albini mix the it's just very um like the guitars front and center and this it's very it's not as bassy and um the, the the solo in particular just sounds like it's just really uh it's not like a, it's it's just it sounds like a um i don't know like a like, like a high school band <laughs> basically which i think is what steve albini's thing is is like it's lo-fi and just like yeah as shit as possible just to sort of like make the and just for shit for the sake of being shit so well that's part of why they wanted him wasn't it they wanted to get away from that never mind sound be a bit more 
Yeah, but I think they went. I think upset when, people. Well, I think when they got there, though, they were like, "Ah, oh, this is like a bit too much the other way." And then, like, Kurt, Kurt already didn't really want to work with him because apparently Steve Albini had the reputation of being a bit of a sexist jerk, um, which I can't say anything to that. But I can, well, not the sexist part, I can't, but the jerk part, I can definitely see and what I've uh, read in interviews and stuff like that. But um, I was about to say, so I will say I love Kurt endlessly. I think he's amazing, but. I do think he'll he easily flips and exaggerates and he changes his story quite often. But when yeah. it comes to standing up for the right things and sexism and all that sort of stuff, he's always held a very true line. Yeah, definitely. And um So if he's if he said Albini's not great in that regard, then I would I would yeah. trust his word on that. Yeah, I'll say so too. Um, so let's get into the, uh, the track by track, uh, um, and we'll be doing a top five as well. Um, this one in particular was, uh, I don't know, like it, it changed a few times. Um, I had a couple of like definite, definite front runners, but, um, some of, some of the lower lists sort of changed, um, a bit. So, um, so it starts off, uh, with a count the counting by Dave and then just like, it's not even a it's not even a note. It's just a, like a, a, a explosion of noise that starts off the first song, Serve the Servants. And it's amazing. It's such a weird song because at its core, it's so nice and beautifully done. But then they've just, they've made a constructive mess of it in a way. Yeah. And like I think it's like, you know, when you like, because you've started Nevermind and you get those, the first sort of like clean reverberish chords of smells like teen spirit count that album in and then this one's like no no this isn't never mind it's just like (laughs) this is just gonna be a completely different experience um i will say uh best nirvana solo ever in any song okay i reckon that this 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 is like this shows off his uh solo chops quite well um, it's very hard. It was, it was always what that one that was very hard to work out and play. I don't think I ever did. The guitar tones in this album actually, um, like, uh, quite different and very abrasive and a lot of like, uh, <laughs> I think there's like a reverb and chorus and flanger and phaser and all lots of stuff. Like, is the, he really played around with some of the, uh, the effects on this album. Um, but apparently this. And also, no, go on. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to go on to the song, but you, yeah, you go. Um, I mean, I don't remember all of his verses ever, and especially to start off a song or an album, but this is, I don't know, maybe I'm still a bit nostalgic about it. It's such a good, especially starting with the words teenage angst. Oh, yeah. So, That's I absolute mean, gold. And this is all about, I mean, that first line, I think, is all about never mind. Like, teenage angst has paid off well. It's like, we know, we know... <laughs> what we're accused of doing or maybe even consciously doing. Like, it's like, they, they know what their bread and butter has been. It's like, you know, they, yeah, I, I, I love, he got a little less cryptic and a little bit more, um, uh, not punny, but like, he was just like, some of these lyrics on this album, especially is like, it's, it's very tongue in cheek. And I, I, I like, I like playful Kurt. It's good. Yeah. Apparently, uh, I don't want to go into his journal side of it. I was, I didn't think that was correct when they released his journal as a novel that people could read. Yeah. Um. Apparently, in there it mentions about this could be about his dad, but I like to think, like he said, it plays a lot more into their 
just Nevada themselves, where they've come from, how they've got there, and what happens now. Yeah, and like they're serving the servants like is like they're sort of they're they're owned by their fans type sort of thing. I don't know. Um, that whole line, like I tried hard to have a father, but instead I had a dad. Apparently, yeah. And this is like you know you could with Kurt, you got to be grain of salt sort of thing. He, he as I said before, I think sometimes he just says stuff just to like fuck around with people. But like he said, like apparently that line was basically just because it sounded good and you want to put it in a song. So um, it. It sounds amazing. It's that line has stuck with me forever, and it's, and then I just want you to know that I don't hate you anymore. I don't believe mm. that for a second, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great it's a great line. Um, if she floats, then she is not a witch like we had thought. Um, many think that that's all about um, the 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 press's or the media's um, treatment of Courtney. Um, sort of like a witch hunt sort of thing, like with all the um, accusations of drug use during pregnancy and lots of stuff. So. Um, yeah, it's it's like um, a down payment on another one on another one at Salem's Lot. It's mm. not just the rhymes; it's it's so good. It is. I feel like it's underrated. Is this underrated? I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I think if people were like, um, I think it's one of those songs. Like, if 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 you like go, if you said like, oh, like so the service, like, and people are like what. The first song on Euro. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Like, I mean, it's like, I don't think it's like, and I don't know whether they played it a lot live. Like, I don't know whether it was like a, a, a staple in the live show or not. But um, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, up there for me and a great intro to, to the album. You know, it was uh, disappointing for me in recent years. Not, not that recent, but somehow in high school or growing up, I thought the aneurysm was on here. <laughs> yeah. And it somehow seeped into my mind for a long time. I was like, wait, no, it's not. I've just somehow mixed it with Serve the Servants and Scentless Apprentice have like melted into one. And I thought that that was aneurysm. Yeah. It's no, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I think aneurysm really should have, like, if that was on Nevermind or, or this album, I think that would have been. Uh, it, it deserves better than the last song on Incesticide, I think. But um, it's it's definitely a, a, a good song. Um, the next song on Inura is Scentless Apprentice. And this is the song that busted my, my speakers in my room. Uh-huh. Um, it was uh, this this song. I have to say, I'm not a big fan of this song. I don't like it that much. Um, uh, but apparently the band love it. Apparently, because it's, it's the only song on the album that they that everyone in the band gets a songwriting credit for. Um, apparently Dave wrote the, um, drums and the riff, the riff, like the up and down progression riff. And then, um, I think, uh, Chris might've, um, did the chorus. I'm not sure, but like, yeah, like they all had a, had a part in this song. Um, and this is where it comes back to Kurt's ever changing stories. Like mm. in one interview, he's saying, oh, I felt bad for Dave and Chris. So I let them have a songwriting credit. And then other ones, he's like saying it was really cool and he enjoyed and wanted to collaborate together. So you never know when he's just like being a shithead with the media <laughs> and what is true to what's actually happened behind the scenes. Because you, you know there's a riff that comes and goes with him and Dave. They're different yeah. personalities. You know there's going to be issues here and there. But I like to think sometimes they also got along quite well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it would just be... But I think uh, it's kind of like with with Eddie and Stone in um, uh, Pearl Jam. It's like there's 
what the front man and arguably the person that's going to have to answer for the for for the songs like their vision and then there's the vision of people who like think they've got a good songwriting style as well and it's just like at what point do you pull rank and go no this is not what the this is not what the sound we're going for and then what point do you like all right well like let's try let's try and meld your style and my style together sort of thing so yeah um which in Pearl Jam's case, like they should just not let Stone write anything because it's all shit. So, <laughs> uh, that's not true. <laughs> um, apparently, that. apparently the the uh, lyrics in the song are based on um, a novel that he liked called Perfume, which was moved turned into a movie, um, uh, like ten or fifteen years ago. Um, right. uh, Did they yeah. use the song? Yes, <laughs> it was based in uh, 18th century France, but there was definitely like someone on a lute playing Saintless Apprentice" in the background. So. Uh, that- <laughs> If that's an Easter egg, that would be amazing. Fucking hell, that'd be awesome. Um, but then uh, again, <clears throat> and just just to say, um, before you run away from saying you don't like, like this song anymore, yeah, I think it's I think it's fantastic. Okay. It's the perfect song to blow out a speaker. It is. It is. It's like and like this. If you wanted to piss off parents in the day, this like I mean, it's just him howling over like crunchy guitars for most of the song. It's um. Some of the songs like it's kind I, of a nothingness song, but uh, but it's good. It's yeah. this voice, yeah. this, this, his voice would have been blown after this song. I was like, the amount of time, like, and like their set list were getting pretty pretty hefty these days. I'm like, oh man, you'd be wanting the uh, what do they used to have Jägermeister before? Like, <laughs> but, no, he's, he's fine, he's a pro. Okay, cool. Handlet. Don't think he was <laughs> in, in the um, the apparent recording, he did all his first tracks on the first day like his his vocals all on like the first day or something uh the last day so they did every all, all the music but, first. But in one day in one day yeah yeah um apparently yeah. steve albini was like upset that it took six days six days because apparently like he usually just does turn around in one or two days it's like dude like this is it's not like an up-and-coming band this is a band that's going to spend six days on an album six days is like a minute amount of time for an album to be made like it's yeah um, so going on to Heart Shaped Box and, uh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously the first single of the album, um, quite an iconic, uh, film clip that went along with it. Um, and it was like, it's, it's not my favorite singles of theirs. I don't know what it is about it. I think, um, yeah. Is it I, too radio friendly for you? No, no, it's not that. A bit um, too soft in parts? I find it a little bit boring. I don't know. Um, like if I was going to put it up against, um, like, never mind. Like, come as you are is just like a way stronger song. Like, same with like lithium and stuff. It's, it's just. But then again, I don't know what I would have chosen to be the first single if it wasn't this. So I can see, I can definitely see the um, appeal of it, but it's just not one that I've ever sort of like really connected to. It's pretty good. And I feel like without this song, they would just be Smells Like Teen Spirit. I, To me and to a lot of people, they're obviously a lot more than that. But having Teen Spirit and this song took them and kept them at another level. Because they're, uh, they're very, very similar in tone and how the whole song develops. But they feel completely different at the same time. Yeah, maybe that's just me. No, no, I can see that too. It's it's just um, 
like I can, and a lot of people have told have told me like this is this is more their gateway song than what um, "Smells Like Teen Spirit" was because I suppose um, because we were sort of so young. I mean, not saying we were heaps old like in nineteen ninety three, but like you're a bit more conscious about um, the radio and and music. Like when you sort of like moving on to twelve, thirteen, like. The, like I, I remember cons- like listening to this on the radio and going like, "Oh, this is the new song from Nirvana," and like someone else like, "Oh, this is the, like you know this is awesome." Like I, I, I know a few people who've, who've like this is their gateway track into the band. So, um, yeah, I just found and I it should it- be like it's catchy and simple, and it's yeah. the lyrics are repetitive. Yeah, and it's, it's like I mean, kind of nonsensical <laughs> in a way. Yeah, apparently, I mean, I've, I've heard like all sorts of read. Like, I've heard that Heart Shape Box is like Courtney Love's vagina. I've heard um, that it's like not that at all. Like, oh, apparently, she came in. Apparently, the only time that um, recording was tense was when she paid a visit to the to Kurt, um, and apparently, she got into fights with him and said that s- stuff sounds shit, and then she left. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's the oh, nice. only time the things are tense. Um, uh, I do like the transition from quiet to noisy in this one. Like it's it's um, the drums, especially in this song, is just yeah they're booming. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and like the, this this um, this solo kind of like the commercial solo, simple but very effective. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and a nice tone. If you so if Real if you nice. hear if you hear um if if you if and you know who was listening to us, um we are going in deep and like we make no apology for that because it's amazing. Um, go to Spotify or buy buy the CD. Listen to the listen to the Albini version, which is on the um the deluxe uh release, and then listen to the album version, and it's it is notably different. Like because I think. Um, Kurt actually added some harmonies, and I think he added some more guitar um, to it because, like, it's it's, I mean, it's the same song in composition and lots of stuff, but like just the, um, just some of the uh, the the volume levels on some of the instruments are way different, and um, yes, it's quite an interesting listen. So, I would love to hear the entirety of that album, what was so called unlistenable, because Foo Fighters had this same issue uh, with one by one. Okay. They recorded this entire album. Uh, their manager and other people said, this is garbage. No one's going to want to hear this. Throw it in the bin. They released a couple of B-sides from it, which were fucking bangers. Mm. And no one else has heard the rest of it. And I'm quite sure it's excellent. But some dickhead's like, no, you, this is no good. Well, to be fair, like no one else except for Dave should be upset because I think Dave like writes and does everything on those albums anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I, I don't know what happened. He's a but I, I wonder if it was the same with uh, Inutro Number One. Was it actually good? But I think it. Wasn't it I, th- I think popular? it's. I think the difference in the, in this case is that it it probably sounds exactly the same. Um, in in how like the songs are laid out, it's just uh, Steve Albini just muddies everything. I think it just like if you listen like the the the, the biggest thing in this one is like. And me being a bass head, like, obviously I can... Um, but, like, Chris Noticelic's doing a bunch of stuff in the chorus. Like, if you, like, the... In that little bit, like, like the um, the, gu- the guitar's doing that little bend thing in the hey wave. Yeah. 
The yeah. bass, the bass is doing that as well. But in the Steve Albini mix, that is like way down in the mix. All you hear is the guitar, and I think you need that um, for that song especially. I think you need like um, the the bass and the um, to accentuate those um, those haze and waves. You're always going to say that about bass, though. This is like it seriously. After we finish, listen to both our, uh, both versions, and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's like it's it's notably different. Um, I probably should have listened to it beforehand, huh? Yeah, you should. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, uh, weird music um, uh, film clip as well. Um, I don't know. He's got a nice glittery jacket in it. Um, <laughs> it'll be the last. He looks so small in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be the last video that they make. They didn't make anything else for this. No, they didn't do anything else for this one. Um, no. And... Yeah, because I think like well, the only other single off this album I think was Penny Royalty, um, which well, that got pulled though. I don't think it was a proper release. Yeah, I did see on the Sir the Servants that there was a single made of that, but I, I don't ever I've never seen that um, release, so I'm not sure. Um, I remember in high school going looking for a Penny Royalty CD single, and yeah. there was so many effect because the B side was I hate myself and want to die. Yes, so they tried to pull it. Um, but then there was people selling them for just thousands that allegedly got their hands on them. Quick quiz. What did they change the name to I Hate Myself, I Want to Die to? What's the... Ooh, was that Kermageddon? Nope. No? Verse, chorus, verse. Uh, I always got that one mixed up with Sappy. Yeah, that's what I thought too, but apparently verse, chorus, verse is I Hate Myself, and I Want to Die. Um, okay. We'll get to those... Towards the end, because there is a there is a few B sides from this album um, that are worth mentioning. Yes, definitely. Uh, so let's go on to "Rate Me," which is um, a polarizing song. Um, I also heard that he did play this like at a rape benefit um, show, which is one of the first show they played after they um, released "In Utero." Um, obviously, it's about um, you know how he feels about the media and people like in, in, into his personal life and all that stuff. I'm on the, I'm on the fence in this one. Like, uh, I can understand that it would be triggering to people and I don't know whether like he, he should be singing it. But then again, it's like, I've got a feeling that people who are into Nirvana would understand that it's not, he's not trying to, um, cause any issues or anything like that. But like, yeah, I don't know. I was thinking a lot about this and where it would sit today if he was still around, if he would still stand by or bow down to, okay, this isn't my place. But there was a article in Spin, mm-hmm. uh, so apparently he answered this question several times and it led to like a proper interview where he cleared it all up because everyone kept pushing him. People didn't realise what Polly was about. Yeah. So Polly was the anti-rape, anti-violent song, and yeah. people didn't grasp that. So he said, "I'm going to go out and deliberately say this is my anti-rape anthem, sort of thing." And people still didn't get it. Yeah. So you can't really win. And if you're going to be a straight white male yelling out "rape me," you should probably be a bit more aware that that's not going to come off how you want it to come off. Yeah, I think it's um. It's it'd be I mean like we we both watched a um if you get a chance on YouTube there's a thing where they the MTV goes to a college campus and um 
gets like four random people to listen to in Euro, then come back the next day and tell them what they thought. And I think across the board, maybe bar one, they all said that they weren't sure about the song Rape Me because it's, it's just like, um, you know, at, at that stage, I think people just didn't know what to do with it. Like, you know, why, like a lot of people are like, why would you write a song with that? In a- no one else had a song in that sort of tone. Like that didn't happen. Yeah. They played it on uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, along with Heartshape Box, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know whether like the rate me actually went to air, but I know Heartshape Box did. Um, uh, but yeah, there was. Um, it was also featured. I forgot the um, All Apologies was the other single, and I do remember having that single because it has rate me on it, and also um, I think it's that's one with moist vagina on it. So. Um, <laughs> terrible yeah um yeah so i think um yeah and i do remember um the one thing i I didn't make of this song is i was uh, i've probably talked about talked about it on um this on the podcast before i was quite a uh fan of the um unauthorized cities we had a uh a cheap a cheap shop here called um cunningham's warehouse and Cunningham's Warehouse would um, have a music section where about had a bunch of CDs and they were all unauthorized bootlegs of like um, all your sort of, all these different artists and like the bunch of Pearl Jam ones were there um, and Nirvana had a bunch of them too and um, they're actually worth quite a lot of money these days. I only have, I think, three of them left. But um, on one of the Nirvana ones, it had a very early uh, version of uh, Rape Me on there and it had the bridge from Penareal T was in Rape Me. Oh, weird. Yeah. So it's just, um, yeah, like it's it's funny like how you can hear these songs progressing and then like he's taking bits out of one and like putting me out in the other. It, it didn't fit. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, um, uh, it was, yeah, it's just interesting to see. So, um, and yeah, if you've... If Speak, you've d- speaking of mashing, sorry. Yeah. Did you ever hear the original version of Light Years, Pearl Jam's Light Years? I think I have, but I don't know. I can't remember. It's um, fucking terrible. Was it released it's on a... Called, it's, on, it's on something. That I don't think they put it out in Lost Dogs or anything. It's called Puzzle and Game. Okay. No, maybe I, don't I can't know. remember where I found it or where I heard it, but it's it's not it's not good. <laughs> I do like these little like um yeah because like if yeah, I think we mentioned the, in the Pearl Jam versus one um the version of um Satan's Bed which is on the the Atlantic concert there's also Better Man as well with the different openings so yeah it's, it's like these yeah if you if you do have any of these unauthorized uh, CDs hold on to them uh, they are probably worth quite a lot these days surely they found their way to. I don't know if there's been a big release since with the lights out, has there? Like they've done anniversary ones, but I don't. Nah, they've just done the anniversary majority and, of the unreleased stuff. And they didn't even do one for Incesticide, which I thought was quite quite strange because, like, I'm sure because no like, one acknowledges Incesticide. But I suppose like uh, Incesticide in itself was like just a hash mash of like different recordings and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. So yeah, uh, moving on. To Frances Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. Um, I fucking love this song. Um, it's uh, talking about the actress Frances Farmer, um, who, if you don't know, um, had quite a uh, storied yet pretty tragic life, um, and also the, who he named their daughter afterwards. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it is such when when like it starts off with just like a muted sort of um, chord, and then when the drums and bass come in, it is just it's an explosion, and it's it's just amazing. This song was probably a favorite back when I was first listening to this. And then when I discovered what he was saying in the chorus, because, you know, as a kid listening to Kurt, you've got no idea what he's actually saying. Yeah. Until someone tells you or you read it. But that chorus, I miss the comfort in being sad <laughs> and being like 15, 16, like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Sadness is the best. Let's be sad all the time. This is amazing. I remember I was only one of the, one of the only ones of my friends who knew what he was saying. Like, everyone had these... I don't know, like, I think I was also... Uh, like yeah, I'm sure they they all did eventually, but like um, for a while there, I think it was one of the only ones that I was the one that bought the first album, and then just made tapes for everyone. So like, um, <laughs> so like I'd have like the, the lyrics sheet and stuff like. I'm still the one that buys stuff, um, and um, yeah, like a lot of people just had like all these like it's like that. Excuse me while I kiss this guy, sort of types of stuff. Was like it's yeah, um, yeah but this one um, I love like the the bridge is just. Um, it's just chords, like it's not even a solo. It's just that ding, 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 ding. ding. It's just, it's just very simplistic. Um, there's a bit in the, uh, you know, and this is me music nerding out. Okay, um, in the second, <laughs> sec, in the second verse, and this is a shit I fucking love. There's a bit in the, um, in the second verse where um, he doesn't go back to his usual strum. He does this like, dun, 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 dun. like it's like it's it kind of even sounds like a mistake. But it's left in. Yeah, there's. I think I noticed that. Um, like where it just cuts off weirdly. Yeah, and it's like there's a and there's, restarts. Feed, there's feedback in the in the background. Like it's it's it's. Yeah, I've always wondered like whether um, that was like. I mean, obviously everything's in intentional lots of stuff, but like that bit. Has, but, was, but how intentional? Yeah, exactly. It's it, that bit is, is always like maybe just like oh, I love those little sort of. Um, you know, and it's, it's like the benefit of listening to it over and over. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I just love that little sort of. Um... I think yeah, I've, I think it's the same bit we're talking about. I forgot to write down when I was actually listening to it, where it sounds like they've recorded it on tape, but then overlapped two different guitar tracks, and one's just kind of like abruptly ended, and the next one started. Yeah, yeah, Is that a little bit. You mean? Yeah, yeah, and there's like there's like feedback in the background. It's like um. Uh, and it's just just before they cut back into the chorus again, and um, yeah, it's it just, just seems messy and unorganized, and like someone's just not done it properly. Yeah, I remember like there's and there's I think Pearl Jam did the same thing at one, and I can't I can't remember at the moment, but I remember probably yeah, same conversation I had like you know twenty years ago with someone like saying, "Isn't it cool when they do that sort of stuff?" And they're like, "Man, you really like Nirvana, huh?" <laughs> 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 like yeah sure um yeah but the yeah francis farmer oh man it's uh it's it's a it's a good one um yeah, it is moving on to dumb um love this song too um i uh i loved um learning the um the cello part on bass um because my, my my friends and i used to back in the day used to do like a bit of a mock MTV Unplugged and um, 
when we came to this song, I like um, I know not only did the bass but also like worked the cello part out too, and it's it's very fun to play and very sort of effective. Um, and I love it. Is it's, it it's not a good. bit lithium for you, or is it is nah. that just my issue? I can see that. Yeah, um, it's kind of like a. Um, I remember. Um, he's people had that there's a t-shirt i don't know if it was like i think it must be like a bootleg t-shirt around here there's a place down in um a suburb near us called elizabeth that there's a t-shirt guy and he always had like um metallica and, and lots of stuff but like he had this t-shirt with the with um kurt on it and then it had the lyrics to dumb on the back of it and i don't know like i doubt that it was official but i saw, I saw that around a lot yeah. back in the 90s um he also sold like a lot. the entire lyrics, most of them, yeah. Um, Weird. And then um, he he also sold a lot of those. Um, the t-shirt with the wolf. On it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Everyone's gonna have one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I saw what must have been like a, I don't know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen-year-old girl in the supermarket the other day with the corporate whores t-shirt on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just walk around doing grocery shopping with their mum. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. At first, I was like, really? And then I thought, actually, that's fucking cool. Good for you. <laughs> Mum's just pushing the trolley. I was like, yes, of course. They're whores, baby. Can you get the, uh, <laughs> get the rice? Um, We're all out of white wine. Get some more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mumsy. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, it's It's very. I I I could play this song. I think this is one of the fun songs I like. It was my go-to on guitar. Maybe like sometimes it's just it's a very um, I'm not gonna say easy, but it's a very simple song. But it's just effective, and I really liked the um, I like the uh, the bridge in it, and yeah, um, it's nice. It's again like it ticks a box on this album to have everything. It's got it's that kind of poly lithium, just dopey cruisy song that. It doesn't it takes match you on that journey. It doesn't match the rest of the album though. I will say like it's um thanks. No, this album's a roller coaster. Yeah, so but this is the part of the roller coaster where like everything's nice, you're just on a straight and narrow, yeah. nothing scary at all. Yeah, it's this one in particular I think is just um if I was going to say like if there's one song this <laughs> this is not like the others, it's it's dumb. Like it's just um and I think it maybe maybe like I'd, I can only imagine Steve Albini just hating to um <laughs> to record it because it would be so out of um step with everything else. Um, but yeah, it's it's very effective and um yeah, it's it's just it's just nice. It's nice. it's kind of weird to think that they stuck with it as well after like True. probably having written it a while ago, rehearsing it for a bit, then recording it that they didn't get to a point and be like. Or maybe they did get to a point and think, this is dumb. And then, oh, hey, that's genius. This is dumb. Let's keep it in there because it's dumb. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it. I think it's necessary. I think it's a necessary um, departure because we're about to get into some very noisy stuff. And like this is like, uh, this is the poly of, of a neuro. So, yeah. Um, so moving on to Very Ape. Um, but before we, uh, before we move on to Very Ape, um, we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll see you um, uh, in a sec.
Okay, and uh, perfect time to take a break with uh, with with dumb nice chill song because we're going to get into very ape. Um, Kurt's Ooh. Kurt's little uh, middle finger to middle finger to um, macho men, um, and I love this song. I, this is a song that um, I remember very well. I was at a uh, not a party, but like. I just remember someone. I was, I was playing it, and I I just learned it, and it's it's not heaps hard, but like it's it's tricky. And then like someone came and was like, "Oh man, you can play that song. That's awesome." I'm like, oh, oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's my little like you know. Oh okay, okay. Um, but yeah, if if some yeah, people are easily impressed though, shut up. Um, <laughs> it's it. Uh, I, I never sort of really took notice of the lyrics, and I probably should. I mean, it's it's all out there. Like it is is about, um, yeah, muchiness and just. Um, the only lyric I ever took notice of, which I think was quite common, if you ever need anything, please don't hesitate to ask someone else first. Yeah, it's amazing, and that That's... was one of the few lines that I knew early on in Nirvana's in my listening of them and grasped onto and kept forever. How pixies is that line? Like that's yeah. that's very pixies ish, I reckon. Um but yeah, I uh I love it. This one's um very like and they played it quite a lot, I think. Um very fun to listen to. Like this is like I like they did a lot of um they did a couple of faster ones like sort of showing their punk roots in this in this on this album and this one definitely um definitely showcased that. So um yeah, this is a good one. Banger, definitely. Um Oh, it sounds like it's in your five. Oh, you don't know what I'm doing. Ooh. Doing, doing all sorts of different stuff here. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um so moving on from a uh, very ape, then we've got uh Milkit. Um probably the uh uh up there with mo- the most abrasive song. Um I love The B side to Very Ape. Yeah, I think it's just that it's I I love how random but not random the um guitar parts are in this this like if, if I mean I'm I'm assuming anyone who's listened to this has listened to the album but like if you listen to it like I mean it just sounds like he's just playing random notes but I don't think they are random like it's it's um it's that constructed just chaotic mess hmm. And then it's, but it's to- weird to think that someone sat down and kind of planned this out and he's actually written this and repeatedly done it in the same way. That's hard for my brain to grasp that this is all intentionally done. Yeah, and then when you listen to... Because um, uh, we haven't mentioned it, but I think, um, so far, but like they released a live album in um, the late 90s called From the Muddy Banks to Wishka. And Milkit was on there. And I was very excited for, for Milka to be on there because, like, a live version of the song. And he's sort of playing the same random notes. I mean, obviously, like, obviously, it's, it's the way the song goes. But, like, it's still, it's, like I said before, it's it's, it's so random but so uh, on purpose as well. And um, I love that. Um, it's just, uh, and when that when that chorus comes in of um, Test Meat and Doll Steak, it's just, oh, awesome. I always thought this and was then, his like um his 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 pro vegetarian song. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then going from his glorious lines that I would quote almost weekly with no one even acknowledging, to her milk is my shit, 
My shit, shit is, is her, her milk. milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's weird. It's yeah. Weird. Um, I mean, I've got nothing against it, but not everything could be, you know, on the verge of genius, I suppose. Um, and I like how the um, I always feel like, and this this um, like like you said before, I, I wasn't aware that he did it always always takes in one day. I think that the you know how um, at the end of the song they do. Uh, they do twice the amount of choruses, so like he, has, he actually sort of extends it. Um, yep. When he's like, when he says Obitu- "obituary birthday," your center's still here in my place of recovery. He sounds like he's just about to lose his voice. Like he sounds like he's just about to yeah. like break, and then but they kept it in. Um, yeah, and I think like that that now speaks volumes to the fact that like he was doing these all in one day. So yeah. But I also feel like that had started to become his thing was the little voice break as well. Yeah. I think he enjoyed the sound of that, and I think they kind of latched onto that actually sounds good. This um, That song in particular, um, and I know like, it's weird to sort of compare it to something that came afterwards, but like um, Daniel Johns' vocals on um, Neon Ballroom, um, I First find... Spawn? Or just in general, I just I spawn and also like um a lot of those like the the the, the big ones on that album I find um very close to a neutro intensity and also like style sort of thing like I mean I know everyone sort of to call them like a, a Nirvana wannabe or whatever um Neon Bar- Neon Ballroom's amazing and you should definitely listen to it can't wait um, to get to that yeah um uh, but I think uh, yeah I I find um. Uh, yeah, definitely in Spawn Again and stuff like that. Like, it's just, um, it's good. Uh, so moving on from Milkit, uh, we have uh, Penny Royal Tea. The roller coaster continues. <laughs> yes. So we went through two big loop de loops. But unlike Dumb, on... unlike Dumb, which never really, um, like, it sort of stays the same uh, volume throughout. When the drums come in for Pony Roll T, um, oh man, they're huge. Um, they're huge, but the song itself never really hits that. The drums are big, but the rest of the song doesn't, I feel like, pick up with the drums. It doesn't if it reminds pack me of the of, punch you would expect. It reminds me a little bit of something in the way um, when like you sort of get that. Um, when the when the chorus comes in, like it's, it's, it's big. Um, and... Again, uh, nice. It's, I mean, it's it's a song that um, I really like to play. Um, I think it was one of my friends' uh, favorite song uh, of, of theirs. But it's all to do with like his um, ongoing stomach problems um, that he. Uh, I mean, eventually, one could say he consumed into the point of like what happens in '94, um, where he took his own life. Like, I mean, the, apparently the pain was 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 pretty bad and. Uh, this is um you hear in like a warm milk and laxatives and lots of stuff is what what was used to calm it sort of thing and yeah is this song for you so is this version uh overtaken by unplugged do you think <laughs> i'm gonna play do you want me to play it by myself um <laughs> sure yeah, do it by yourself i like i like when at the end he's like that was nice <laughs> um i yeah um I th- I would love to have heard the full band unplugged though, um, but um, and I and I also like the fact that he didn't even try to do the 
solo bit, it just goes straight back into the um the third, yeah. the third verse. I would have liked if he'd done it with his mouth. That would have been nice. <laughs> or a kazoo. <laughs> yeah. I, I do um, wonder, so like the stories of them not being able to do it as a band, like it just wasn't like working out. And when you listen to the album version, you can kind of get a glimpse of how it would have been difficult. But I wonder how close they got, how bad it sounded, if they did run through it like the full song and it just didn't fit, or if they got like halfway through and it fell apart, or what happened? Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it always found it's yeah, it always felt a bit unfinished to me. But I don't know, like it's um, and maybe like you know the like, song in general or unplugged. Oh, unplugged. I think is fine, but like I think Parental okay. T in 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 like I think it was. Um, I don't know whether that <clears throat> the bridge bit, the solo thing, it works. Like, um, but then again, like you know, what else are you gonna put in there? And and obviously, like he Frankenstein it in from from Rape Me, like from earlier. So it's like, I don't know. It's um like it's a great song. Um, but yeah, I think um think, thinking about it now, like you just asked me about like what's better. I I actually yeah I don't know. Like maybe that the unplugged version is actually quite a lot better. I think if closer. they'd flipped the dynamic, so if Dumb had the you know, loud, quiet, loud, quiet. And Penelope was the dumb tone of just like an unplugged. Yeah. I think it, I mean, I heard unplugged a lot more. I think I heard that first before I heard the album version. Yeah. But that just, unplugged just sits a lot more true, I think, of how this song should go. It suits just being at one level. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, so there you have it. Unplugged is the definitive version. We've just decided. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, I'm sure. I'm sure that's quite common for people to go with Unplugged over that album. Surely. Yeah. True. Um, moving on to Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. Now, let me tell you about this song. I hated this song for the most part <laughs> because I didn't like the start of it. And I think, um, like I've said before, like I think with age comes um, patience and understanding of musical styles. Like I used to, used to dislike jazz. I used to dislike, you know, um, uh, Jimmy Eat World and all, all, these, all these different things that like I just like, you know, had these like f- formed opinions of, and then when you get back to it, it's like, oh no, like I was wrong. Radio Friendly Shift is a great song. It's um, apparently was their set opener for quite a lot of their 93, 94 tour. Um, once you get through that, um, the start, it's, it, I mean, and, and it is, it is an abrasive sound that, that starts this song. It's like a, basically like a, I think it's a phaser or a flanger pedal. And mm. it's just noise, but when the bass kicks in, and um, then the, like it's just it's a a really good song. Um, uh, what do you think of it? Uh, it's so, like I do like it. It's again that sort of messiness, but uh, I don't know. I it's not going to be in my top five. Put it that way. Okay. Um, it's. So with every hard, like, ugly song on here, it just makes me think of Bleach. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, a more polished version. And this is, like, a very polished version of a Bleach song, but it's still, to me, a Bleach song, where it's just messy and... 
I got a yeah, feeling... abrasive. But then the lyrics are so good. Yeah, the lyrics are like, great. You, the just, song. you don't get a chance to really catch any of them. Um, I've got a feeling that the band like this song. Like I see them. I've watched this being played live a few times and read a few things, and like they all seem to have like this the thing of like this is, um, one that they enjoyed playing. Um, and the fact that they, they opened the set with it. And I think they've liked the fact that it's like, I mean, every night they can just go out and have this like wailing guitar beforehand and then like, um, yeah. And it's a, it's a fast paced song to start the concert with us. It's, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones that's, um, uh, yeah, didn't like it at the start, but now definitely one of my, one of my favorites, which goes into Tourette's. Um, Tourette's is a, like, it's like, a, just over a minute, I think it's um it's a fast punky song. Starts off with moderate rock, um, and I remember this one being on my unauthorized ones too. This this one had been kicking around for for a while. Um, they played it at Reading, um, the famous Reading concert, um, and uh, it's the one on Muddy Bunks of the Wishka. Um, Chris says um, this is the one where bootleggers get really excited about it or bootleggers are going to be going to be happy to hear it sort of thing like um and it was yeah knew it was a, a rarity yeah. sort of thing yeah so um you can't really understand what he's saying throughout it um throughout, I, I went i went onto a long reddit thread of people who were trying to decipher lyrics and then work out i'm like man i i have more to do with my life than this um but uh yeah definitely i was man as a young fifteen-year-old person in a band, um, it's like four chords, and it's fun to play. <laughs> and it's—I it would—I would almost say it's a more fun, wild version of Territorial Pissings. Yeah, yeah. Like it's shorter, it's angrier, like it's straight into it. Not sure if it's needed. Um, that's like something that I can say just in hindsight. Like, I mean, if it's not on there, like no one's going to miss it. Um, would have been probably even just as good just to keep it as a rarity. Um, very odd placement on the album too. It's just like, we're going to like just chuck it in <laughs> just before, like arguably one of the, the best songs in the album. Um, but yeah. I think that's part of the point though, because having a song that's a minute and a half on an album after you just had the biggest album in the world mm. to have this crazy little punk nothingness song that's just anger. Is is just adding to like, well, fuck you guys. We're just going to put whatever we want on this. And yeah, you'll like yeah. It because and that does who we are. That does like um underline that. Yeah. So it goes into the last song on the album, which is All Apologies, um, which I think is um is a great song. Um, I would go so far as say is uh, the unplugged version uh, rivals this one. Um, just I love the fact in the unplugged one, and we'll probably we, um, we might do a track by track for unplugged. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, we might. Uh, I love the fact um, him and Dave's um, vocals at the end, um, their harmonies is just oh yeah. Oh man, it's it's very 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 goose goose bumpy. Um, this this song's really good. I I, I kind of sometimes wonder whether it would have been um, better nearer the top, but then it's also a really good way to end an album. So. Um, this is how albums should end, mm. and I don't know how many bands do it anymore. It, I think it comes and goes. Pearl Jam did it a lot, and everyone's like, "Oh no, this means the band's over because it ended with a slow, sad song." Yeah, 
But this is, this is I feel their like indifference. This is how it should end. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, I. This, I, is, like, this is a curtain coming down. Yes, and like probably, I mean, when you think about it, the curtain coming down on their career, um, as a band. I mean, um, it's it's spooky and um, fitting as anything could be that this is the last song and the last album they'll ever release. Like it's um, it's just perfect. Um, well, not entirely the last song. <laughs> well. Depending on which which release you got, and we'll get onto that. Um, but yeah, well, let's get on. Like, so um, that's the way it should end. If you're lucky enough, like I was, I think most people actually have this. Um, it's actually pretty harder to find one without the song on it. There was a secret track or like last track called "Gallons of Rubbing Alcohol Flow Flow Through the Strip," and it's pretty horrible. Um, <laughs> um, it's just a meandering seven minute song. Um, one, I think, um, I remember very vividly my brother just like coming through my room and me listening to it and he's like, can you just turn that off? <laughs> just like, yeah, it's just not, um, I do love the fact, me and my friends used to love the fact that he says one more solo <laughs> and, and it's like, it's not even a solo, it's just noise. Um, this is, so I was saying before about songs that just it's hard to imagine you would repeat that and be able to do it over and over and this is actually a constructed written song. Mm. That's exactly what this is. Like, is this just a full off-the-cuff, you've ad-libbed all of this? Is any of this planned or see, I rewritten? This, see, I remember this one was like, you know, like that. this one was readily available, whereas Endless Nameless, which has ended like the... Um, never mind. That was, that was hard to get a hold of, like... Um, a lot of people heard it live, but like the actual recorded version, um, you're lucky to get the CD that had that secret track on it. Um, and I think they were trying to recreate that again, but Endless Nameless yeah. as, a, as a secret track is way better. Um, but let's go on to the, um, the, before we do our top fives, let's go on to the, the B-sides. Um, so we have the Gallons of alcohol, Rubbing Alcohol, also um, Moist Vagina, which is not a great song. Um no. Uh, we also had Marigold, which was, I'm sure you'll love that one, um, written by <laughs> Dave Grohl and sung. Is it sung by Dave Grohl as well? Yes. yes. Uh, apparently, Kurt had vanished that day or he was just, he was in too much pain. He was sick and just didn't come in. So Dave and Chris recorded something else. Nice. Um, and you also had, um, see, on the on the deluxe thing, the, the Sappy was... Um, Included on it. I don't know whether it's actually an outtake from In Utero, but um, Sappy's a great song. Sappy's one of my favorite songs of theirs of all time. Um, it's very. It's so good. Yeah. Why is it so good? I don't know. And that's, that that song's been around since um, I believe Bleach days. I think it was like yeah. very very old. Um, and then we also had I Hate Myself and I Want to Die, um, also renamed Verse Chorus Verse, um, only available on the Beavis and Butthead Experience compilation. Um, it was going to be on the album, but um, Kurt thought it was uh, a bit too... They had enough sort of big, boomy sort of songs and they didn't want those on there. Um, then I think they had to... They were also forced to rename it because apparently um, no one would release it with that song. Um with that title and I remember um like back in the day like we always sort of found a way to get you know b-sides and rarity and lot of stuff like you'd 
pass a tape onto a tape onto a tape. Then I remember flicking through um, CDs and I found that that beat was some better one. And I'm like, oh, it actually kicks off that. I think it's the first song on that. On that, it's not for the movie. It's it's just like it was just a beat was some better compilation. Um, which is kind of annoying because I think it's songs and then it has them. I don't think they're over the top of the songs, but I think then they do like little bits in between. I'm like, that would just be yeah. so fucking annoying. <laughs> Unless you're into Beavis and Butthead. Unless you're into Beavis and Butthead, then like, I'm sure. Yeah. Which we all were at some point, I suppose. Of course. Can't, can't wait for the movie. Um, but yeah, those those were the B-sides. Um, did you want to hang on Marigold for a bit longer or can, can we move forward? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of Marigold. I'm confused as to why Dave hung on to it for so long and brought it back with Foo Fighters because it's it's nice, but it's not an incredible piece of music or lyricism or anything. But Marigold, Marigold or Big Me? Oh, Marigold. <laughs> is it is Big, Big Me can be buried for eternity? Nah, Mentos. That's oh, horrible. Mentos uh, film oh. clip is amazing. Um, I, I I watched the music video. I have nothing against the music video. I do not want to hear you play it live and say, we haven't played this for 20 years. Here you go. Yeah. The, you play um, this every fucking tour. No one wants to hear it. I see this a lot because I think I, 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 well, I, I subscribe to a lot of those um, grunge um, Instagrams and a couple of times lately they've shown live versions of... <laughs> and it's like, it's one of those things where I... You know, you're scrolling down and you see like um, a video start, and I haven't even seen what it is yet, but I can see it's Foo Fighters, and I can see the stupid expression on Pat Smear's face. I'm like, I bet it's Big Me, without even hearing it, just just uh, watching it. I'm like, yep, it's Big Me. <laughs> it's just, it's the worst. <laughs> uh, I mean, they've the... got worse songs, but yeah, not on that album. They don't. That's no, definitely the no, worst. Nothing else on that album is gold. Yeah. Um, um, back to Nirvana. More, um, the better B side, obviously, Sappy would be that beats Marigold, right? Yeah, yeah. It's got. Did you ever hear "Here She Comes"? Yes, Here she comes now. It's very similar to that. I feel like I don't know what it is about. Maybe just like his guitar tone, something about it, just very simple. And I believe like they were pretty close together because like when like the compilation album that had all that stuff on it, I think it was around like around that same time they he wrote all that stuff. So I think it's all like yeah between Bleach and um and uh, and Nevermind. So um so with that we should get into our top fives. Ugh. We should. And I do believe that I went first for verses, so I think you should go first. Why don't you do your five and then I'll do my five? <laughs> <laughs> because I thought been... this was going to be a lot easier. Yeah. Um, Like when I started listening to it, I was like, oh yeah, now nah, this will be a piece of cake. And the more I listened to it, I was like, yeah, this will be a piece of cake. But then when I actually wrote them down... I thought, oh, I don't know. This this could definitely change day to day. Yeah. There's, I, th- I think my top three would be pretty much set. Yeah. They might move a bit. But four and five, depending on my mood. Uh, That's the thing. I think, it's a, I think it's definitely a mood thing. So, yeah. Um. But I'm going to start with Scentless Apprentice. At number five? Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um no okay i respect that um no it, blew, 
It blew my speaker, but you know, whatever. Um, I mean, that's because you liked it <laughs> an incredible amount, right? Um, yeah, I was like, I, 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 uh, to quote you from our verses, I, I, with you and Go and Animal, Sentless Apprentice and Serve the Servants, sort of, you know. No, they're very different. <laughs> and now you know how Ser- I feel. <laughs> Apprentice is the angry version of Servants. Mm. The angrier version. <laughs> What's your number five, Paul? Radio-friendly unit shifter. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Is it? Yeah. It was. It was oh. nearly. It was nearly higher. Um, I give it props for um, for coming back into my life. I like a song this old and a song that I um, didn't like for so long that can like you know. And I think it was like I think I was listening to, to some sort of compilation. This is probably only in the last like ten years or so. I think I was listening to. I might, I might have even just been listening to In Utero, and just um, didn't skip it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is actually a pretty good song. Um, yeah, I th- it has that effect when you when you skip a song for fifteen years and then suddenly you don't. You have a lot more appreciation for it. Yeah, I think this one. I, I think that was also. Um, I wonder whether that will be um, for Pearl Jam albums. I think the first, up until Avocado, is unskippable. But then I think from Avocado onwards, like I, yes. I think there's 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 times where like I I can skip, and I'm wondering whether like maybe in the coming years I might sort of. Certainly like a song, not parachutes, but like you know, like um, <laughs> other songs though. So, um, I feel so, yeah, like but, that's the only song you'd skip on there. On avocado, oh, big wave. Yeah, no, I like big wave. Um, I don't. Actually, I actually don't really like life wasted that much. I don't know. Yeah, um, or suicide. Well, suicide's good. I remember that just because. Um, that got me jazzed to actually because there was such a break in between that album and um, Ride Act, and that one was like, oh, okay, cool. This is if this is what the album's going to be like, I'm on board. Yeah. Um. Number four. Number four? Yeah. The less angry apprentice. Serve so the servants. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Is that too low? No, 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 no that's fine. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I need to get approval every time I list a song. No, it looks it's, it's okay you, for it to be you, here. you do you. It's fine. You do you. Um, I think this one has come back into my life. Was it like a, it was a couple months ago when I said to you, like, I randomly picked up the guitar and just and mm-hmm. learned this song? And I'd never considered doing that in my entire life. And for some reason, it's like, what's this like to play? <laughs> and it's so fun. And It is. I I always assumed... Nirvana songs were so complex, regardless of how many I would play through high school. Every song I didn't know, I was like, this is too much. I'll never be able to do this. It's just it's just like bar chords, and guess what? <laughs> it is my number four too, so... Hey! Uh, yeah, I don't think, we have, I don't think we've done that yet. We've um, got a pair of four dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Is that a thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so the servants. Um, uh, number one, number four. It's just such a abrasive. Um, I just love the first. Um, you could say chord or non-chord. Um, it's just like this album's starting now, and you need to pay attention because it's going to get loud and going to get amazing. 
But I feel like it, for how rough it is, it's also quite smooth. Yeah, uh, good. And also, like, um, the lyrics help that too. Like, it's 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 the the song the 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 music's quite loud, but like the the lyrics are, um, quite soothing in a way too. In in some parts, yeah, like the chorus is very flowy and soothing, and I don't know. It's it's good. It's a good number one. three. Number three. Number three. Uh, number three is tough because I'd like to nominate the unplugged version, but that's <laughs> not here today. So just regular Penny Royalty, my number nice. three. Well, this is my num- number three. No, my number three. Um, <sighs> these are the ones that are interchangeable, and these are the ones that I like. Um, I'm gonna have to go with dumb. As my what? Yeah. Um, it's... Is that just your middle finger to me? <laughs> Why? Because I think it's dumb. <laughs> Dumb's dumb is great. Um, it's just it's just a it's the song. I I actually I get the um the cello part stuck in my head sometimes when I'm not even sort of thinking about anything else. Like I just it's a it's an earworm. It's a it's a it's a nice fun song and. Um, Maybe just like the fact that it's like the anti is the anti in utero. I think that's it's maybe like that's maybe it's it's power. I don't know. Um, yeah. It could easily okay. nestle into Nevermind quite well. So, yeah. But you I'm said a, this top through is interchangeable. You saying that dumb could creep to two or one? It could creep to two. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. I'll allow that. Okay. Cool. Because it could never. Surely displace all apologies, though. And that is that your my number, number two? two? Okay, cool. that is my it's number my, two. It's my number two too. So yeah, <laughs> um, uh, as I said, like it's a, it's a perfect end to this album and to their career and to their um, to like it just closes the book so nicely. Um, and I think um, you, you can actually hear Albini's version of this one too. Um, the, you know, you hear like all, all apologies or um, heart shaped box. Um, other versions that you can put on, on with him. And um, again, it's it's quite different because um, I wouldn't say that it's overproduced with um, with like, the, the, the album version is overproduced, but like um, it's, it's just like the Albini version is just too empty. And this one's just got everything. I just love it so much. The um, yeah. My one issue that is not with the song, but I guess more with myself, I think. I did prefer it more when I didn't know what they were saying at the end. The all in all is all we are bit. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I don't know. Like, it's good and it's nice, but when it just sounds like soothing oohs and ahs, <laughs> it's just so sweet and like uh, like a lullaby on unplugged like it's you can't quite make out the words but it's just so i don't even know how to describe it i actually think like i my my mind goes to the unplugged version more than the like because I, I always get a bit freaked out or not freaked out but like surprised when i hear the distorted guitar come in i'm like oh that's What's, what's that's not supposed to be there and like no it's it's that's the way it's, it, it really is and i'm like i think it it could be it could have just been completely clean but like even 
um, with a distorted guitar in there, I think it's just a it's just a great song. Um, but and, again, has probably been surpassed by the unplugged version. It just suits better. Yeah, the way they did it. And I think because like I think um, the unplugged version to me was like unplugged was sadly for Nirvana and for like hardcore fans, but like for teenagers in the nineties, um, MTV unplugged was probably our touchstone of uh, Nirvana because that was what was readily available for. I mean, that, that got thrashed on radio after he um, passed away so much. Like it was, it wasn't, it surprisingly mm-hmm. for me, I, I, I don't think I can, it probably wasn't even smells like Teen spirit that much. It was mostly like about a girl was played incessantly on radio. I remember, um, I believe yeah. even to the point that it could probably even be regarded as a, um, a single from that, that thing so yeah yeah that was that was huge uh i'm i don't know what your number one's gonna be all right i'm I'm pretty sure we've got the same should we say at the same time okay three two one francis francis farmer will have her (laughs) revenge in seattle Seattle. wow yeah okay i knew it I, I thought it. I was gonna. I thought I was gonna. Pip you. I, didn't, I, I didn't know what, it, what yours was gonna be, but I thought yours was actually gonna be all apologies. But um, yeah, this song's uh, probably after um, "Drain You," so I think that was my favorite. I started, uh, that was my favorite Nirvana yeah. song. This is my number two of all time. I when I initially did my top five this afternoon, uh, the first thing I wrote down was "Heart Shaped Box" number one. Okay. That's, that's depressing. And then as I listed off more songs, I thought, no, I'm sorry, you're, you're cut. <laughs> you're cut. <laughs> Francis was straight to the top. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one was always going to be my number one. Um, it's got a great angsty chorus. It's got um, like no, like a, like a, like no solo, but like, I still find like the, the, the solo bridge part, like, compelling um i love that little sort of bit in the second verse there that we talked about before it's just yeah it's just great it just encapsulates everything that i would like about nirvana um i find this one yeah um more so than others to be a bit um lithium-y, lithium-y. um no don't you do that to me <laughs> oh yeah you don't like lithium no um but like it's just that yeah it's um and I've I've actually found like quite a lot of versions of it live, and it's, it sounds sounds great live too. So, I've also taken this song to therapy a couple of times, and it hasn't quite got me anywhere yet. But okay. I'm sure it's going to save me at some point. <laughs> you play songs to your therapist? No, I just quote them. <laughs> <laughs> just, just looking for the right one who's going to latch on and be like, "Oh, She's Nirvana like, fan, and, all right." And, and they're like, "Oh, you're fucked." <laughs> You should stop listening to Nirvana. <laughs> um, ah, but they're comfort. They're comfort, listen, April. Listen to um, Jimmy Eat World, or they don't seem to have much um, much joy. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. Um, do you hear their touring? Um, was it them? And um, oh, everyone's going nuts in America about it because it's Jimmy Eat World and another like, emo-ish band from that time. I can't remember. Not some forty, maybe some forty-one. I'm not sure. No, no one's going crazy for them. Um, uh, but yeah, um, well, that's. I mean, yeah, we're we're pretty much on the same page. That's yeah. I'm, I'm quite impressed. 
Yeah, I've, as I said, like I think um, some of those could be interchangeable, um, but I definitely think that uh, yeah, my number one. Oh, Dashboard Confessional. Sorry, uh, Jimmy World and Dashboard Confessional are going to be co-headlining oh, in the states. That's sad. You don't like Dashboard Dashboard Confessional? Not as much as I like Johnny Eat World. Johnny Eat World. Um, <laughs> cool. So that is our that is our track by track done. Um, uh, I feel like I like it a bit more after we talked about it. Like I was steering away from a neutro this afternoon. Mm. Like I thought this isn't never mind. You know, it really struck me. Sorry to keep this going. That's cool. You don't listen to Nick Drake, do you? Uh, nope. <laughs> no. I don't know who that is. Um, he was this like folk guy from the seventies. He had an album called Five Leaves Left, and it was an incredible song album of him, his acoustic guitar, a little bit of cello, a little bit of stuff going on here and there. Okay, but pretty stripped, pretty stripped back, pretty simple. Um, he kind of got picked up by studio folk, made a second album, utter garbage, way <laughs> overproduced. They tried to do way too much to him, like just, over, yeah. It it wasn't good. He hated it. Um, and then Angst it against it. His last album was just him and a guitar, pretty much. Okay. And I heard a lot of that in a neutro in this last week, where Bleach was just raw, like, not entirely raw. Like, it was still, they were trying to do something. Never mind, they went in with a specific view. This is what we're going to do. This mm-hmm. is how it's going to sound. Yeah. And then lastly, in a neutro, they're like, fuck what we just did. <laughs> we're not that anymore. We're going to do whatever we want to do, and hopefully, some people will hate it. But this is us. Like this is what this is who Nirvana is. I do think that um, they they um, intentionally made something that was um, not for anyone except for the people who choose to come with them on this um, this journey, sort of thing. Like it's it was definitely like I don't like. I think they cared to a point that, like, you know, they made, like, cohesive songs. Like, I mean, you can't say that Heart Shaped Box wasn't something that they knew wasn't going to be, like, a a nicely... Not 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 so much a charting song, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure when they're writing stuff, they're like, oh, this one's going to be great. Um, but in their defense, you grew up listening to the Beatles and ABBA and pop music. Mm. There's going to be some of that coming through you and... You can't help but write a hit sometimes when you're that good. Oh yeah, definitely. Not, not his fault. <laughs> um, oh, I forgot to um, ask you at the start. Um, have you heard of or been watching the show Yellow Jackets at all? No. Is it about bugs? No, it's not. It's um about a. Uh, it's set in 1996, and is about a girls' soccer team who crashes in the mountains of Canada and are stuck there for. I think like nine months and shit happens there. And it sort of, um, it goes between 1996 and present day. Um, Juliet Lewis is in it. Um, Melanie Linsky is in it. Um, it's got a amazing, uh, soundtrack. Um, so like the first thing you basically hear is uh, today by smashing pumpkins. Um, they're at a party and, um, miss world is, um, playing. Um, it's just, if you want, um, and it's also got a bit of a horror um, uh, element to it, um, but yeah, it's uh, but it's not all um, alternative. Like um, Informer was in there, Shoop was in there, 
um marky mark your good vibrations your your, your boy no, thank um, you. uh a really <laughs> a really good sort of sequence with um down by the water by pj harvey um so if you get onto it um, i think you can only watch it on in australia paramount plus um which um i recently re-signed up for because um i wanted to check out yellow jackets but yeah if you get a chance i think uh you and your partner, and I think a lot of other people that will probably listen to the show would definitely dig this um, show. So, all right, Yellow Jackets is my uh, is my recommendation for the week. Is it just yellow, or is it black and yellow? <laughs> Hello. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So we uh, we're we're done for the for this for another week. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, it's uh, livingthepastpod at gmail dot com. Uh, check us out on Instagram. We'll be playing a lot of Nirvana this week um, after this one comes out. Um, live recording, so I don't have to deal with that copyright bullshit. Um, yeah, until um, and then yeah, until next time um, and until next season too. We we'll do another track by track, but um, yeah, until next time we you're we're in your ears. We'll see you later. Bye, everybody. Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at mildscribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbour, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks. Thanks.